VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we do thank you for joining us on Crosstalk. And friends, we would just ask that you make this program a regular, that you're tuning in every day. There is so much information that is uh, pouring out that you need to know about. You're not going to get this from your nightly newscast. Stay tuned as we talk about these critical issues here through Crosstalk. We have seen the transformation taking place in our country like never before. I mean, we've seen the riots. We've seen the businesses that have been set ablaze, and those who haven't, which haven't been set ablaze, their windows smashed, businesses looted. We've seen other violent crimes escalating across this nation, whether it be assault, shootings, and murders. And yes, many cities surpassing their murders from from years past. Some will be setting all-time records this year. We've seen the very heritage of our nation attacked with statues being toppled, the renaming of schools and streets, parks, and other entities because of the political incorrectness of our day. And now even the accurate rendering of our American history is deemed to be offensive, and it must be changed. So we're told. Many wonder what is going on. Friends, all of these actions are not accidental. They did not just happen. But they're part of a plan to permanently destroy and alter the course of our nation as we know it. And it's not over. There is much more to come. It's all part of what many are planning for. It's called the color revolution. What exactly is this? Well, we hope you'll stay tuned as we welcome back to Crosstalk, Lori Higgins, the cultural affairs writer with the Illinois Family Institute. Lori, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Jim. Thanks so much for having me. So before we talk about this color revolution, uh, yesterday Matt Staver was with us uh, speaking on this vacancy on the U.S. Supreme Court due to the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is lying in repose at the court today, people paying their respects. Tomorrow, Robert Knight is scheduled to be with us. Uh, More on the Supreme Court, as well as some of the latest matters on vote fraud. But, uh, Lori, if you would just give us your thoughts on the very contentious issue right now in our uh, our nation on this vacancy on the highest court. Well, I, I wrote immediately when it happened that it should be filled, as I'm sure President Trump is going to do. He's going to nominate someone. It should be. That's constitutional, and it's certainly constitutional for the Senate to take it up. So this idea, I don't know, somehow that her, her dying wishes takes precedence over the Constitution is absurd, um, and, and her dying wish was to a 30-year-old granddaughter who's also a liberal attorney, and it was a written statement several days before. So I think the initial depiction of how this went down to many people was, oh, she said something to a small child and it was very emotional and it wasn't what happened at all. And and I and I think we'll likely see what we've seen to Bork and Clarence Thomas and Judge Kavanaugh, that they will savage whoever is nominated and it'll reveal again why the left doesn't deserve to have any quarter given to them on these things. They will engage in any kind of lies and smears to get the kind of absolute control they want over the presidency, the executive branch, the legislative branch, the judicial branch, in order to do their bidding. And then once they do that, we're going to see attempts to get rid of the Electoral College, the uh, filibuster, make D.C. and Puerto Rico states, so they can secure control in perpetuity. Well, and and what you're saying is not far-fetched. I mean, here we just had Don Lemon from CNN saying, we're going to have to blow up the entire system. And he taught, he's, he's been an advocate to abolish the Electoral College. Right. Oh, he's not the only one. This has been discussed for, a, for quite a while. And so it's not a paranoid idea. They have said it explicitly. Yes. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. They want to get rid of the filibuster. They want to make the D.C. a state because they know it's dominated by Democrats. They want to give votes to felons. They want to give votes to illegals. All of this is in the service of securing absolute control and ensuring that Republicans never, ever regain dominance in any of those institutions. It's very dangerous for the republic. 
Well, you referenced the dying wish, so said, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but uh, this is the same justice who said uh, yeah, during uh, the 2012, no, I'm sorry, 2016, that uh, that uh, eight-member court is not ideal, that the vacancy should be filled, and that the president has a responsibility to make that nomination. Right, a constitutional obligation. And actually, that brings up the other point that the left will... Um, will attempt to do, which is to pack the court. And mm-hmm. they've said that explicitly. This yeah. is not from my fertile imagination. <laughs> Lori, uh, as we turn toward the issue that you've recently written about here, too, uh, the, the color revolution, you indicate, and folks, what we've been talking about here is just even some of the anarchy going on and what is planned for the U.S., but you indicate that the anarchy in our streets that we've seen across this nation, that it's being manufactured. Tell us by who and for what reason. Well, I, there, I'm not the first one to write about this. I think the first person to write about what we're calling the color revolution was Michael Anton, and then some other websites picked it up, including The Federalist and uh, PJ Media and Revolver News. They picked it up because they started looking at what was, you know, as I wrote about in my article, you know, people, sane people look around America and say that it's not a racist nation, not that there's mm-hmm. not racism, of course there is, and there always will be because it's part of the human condition, but it's not a racist nation, and the streets are not filled with police going after innocent blacks, so what happened? Like, wh- And so then they started looking and started looking at the people behind, you, I mean, even the Department of Justice has come out and said that this is organized and it is not a spo- these are not spontaneous uprisings they've they've you know stopped busloads of people that were being <laughs> shipped to different cities to foment this anarchy in the streets and so these the articles that came out in the past i think it was starting in like september 4th talking about the color revolution looked at these personalities discovered that they had been involved in the obama administration they had been involved in the efforts to impeach President Trump, and they've discovered that many of these same people were involved in fomenting what are called color revolutions overseas, and they have written manuals on how to get rid of semi-autocratic and autocratic regimes, what, what can be done to foment revolution against those. Well, of course, leftists in America think that Trump is an autocrat. I mean, they've been called, you know, a fascist, a tyrannical, Dictator. a Nazi. Mm-hmm. And so they view his presidency as the equivalent of having, you know, an autocrat in the office. And when you look at the features of a color revolution that our government has used overseas, you can see those kinds of actions taking place in our streets today. Uh, Lori, there's a definition I'd like you to share with our listeners that, that you wrote about a Dr. Darren Beatty of Duke University, uh, as he wrote in The American Mind. How did he define this? Um, just to clarify, he is a writer on American Mind. He actually wrote this um, on Revolver News, which is a new news aggregate site, kind of replacing the Drudge Report, which has moved left. Right. And so he, de- he described it as, rather than a direct military intervention to affect regime change, that it, what they do is they contest electoral legitimacy, organize mass protests and acts of civil disobedience, and leverage media contacts to ensure favorable coverage to their agenda in the Western press. <laughs> wow, it sounds like today's newspaper. Right. Exactly. And that's why he wrote that. And then there's, I mean, it goes back, they have, there's another person involved named Michael McFall, who was a key player in agitating for Trump's impeachment. And he wrote, uh, he outlined the features necessary for a successful political revolution. And, and there's seven of them. One is a semi-autocratic regime, an unpopular incumbent, a united and organized opposition, an ability quickly to drive home the point that voting results were falsified, enough independent media to inform citizens Mm. about the falsified vote, a political opposition capable of mobilizing tens of thousands or more demonstrators to to protest electoral fraud, and divisions among the regime's coercive forces, that is, for example, the military. 
we can see all of these features. I mean, I continued in my article, I, it might be too long for here, but to say how those features, those constituent features, are being fulfilled today in America. Wasn't McFaul engaged in the impeachment of President Trump? Yeah, he was a key key player in agitating for his uh, impeachment. And actually, another person mentioned by both Stacey Lennox, who was writing about this for PJ Media, and Dr. Beattie, is um, Norm Eisen, who has written a a booklet on the Brookings Institute called The Democracy Playbook. But this is a quote, from Eisen, he wrote that before Trump was even inaugurated, a group of lawyers he labels the legal resistance held weekly calls on Fridays about how to counter the administration in court. Wow. And we're seeing so many, uh, I mean, how many cases have we seen rise up across this nation against the president in that regard? But when you talked about here, of, of you know, the the uh, the outline here by Michael McFaul. I mean, that is amazing. It is like a playbook of what we see going on today. They've gained the media as, as a, as you know, their supporter in this, fanning the flames of those matters that are going on and, and the mobilization. I mean, what, what we are seeing basically is what's been going on in the streets of America is all part of the playbook. Exactly, exactly. And, and in fact, when they, they go on and they talk from his playbook and he talks about, and this is, remember, these things have been written about fomenting revolution overseas, but it's the same people that are involved in impeachment and all sorts of, you know, efforts to obstruct Trump's agenda, because how many times has he had to go to court for different things mm-hmm. that he's wanted to do? But in the playbook, it says, form networks between other opposition groups, and we can see BLM, Antifa, a number, and there's a number of NGOs, which are specifically mentioned in the recommendations too, work to obstruct passage of the executive's agenda, obstruct reforms, pursue more extreme institutional measures, such as impeachment processes, votes of no confidence, and recall referenda. What do we hear about the, the uh, nominee to the Supreme Court? What did Nancy Pelosi say? She won't take impeachment of Trump or William Barr off the table. Right. I mean, that's amazing. What the extreme measures that they'll go to to stop President Trump from enacting things that he was elected to enact. Whatever it takes. And folks, uh, as Nancy Pelosi said, we have many arrows in our quiver and nothing we heard from Chuck Schumer, nothing is off the table. And friends, when you read and uh, we're just uh, not too far from a break here and we're going to go further into what is called the Transition Integrity Project or TIP. And uh, there is a full playbook put out, a scenario, if you will, uh, on what they call preventing a disrupted presidential election and transition. It is dated August 3rd of 2020. And uh, here, just in in, in brief, Lori, uh, from the very first sentence, they actually state that this is a bipartisan group. Oh, and it's, I mean, that's just such a bald-faced lie. I mean, the, the only people, well, it's a little bit secretive because there's a, at least a, over 100 people involved in these war games, they call them, and only about a dozen names have come out. No Trump supporters whatsoever. There are never Trumpers, like Bill Kristol on there, Michael Steele, but there are no, that we know of, there are no Trump supporters. Lori Higgins is with us today, cultural affairs writer with the Illinois Family Institute. We're talking about the color revolution. And friends, we're going to take this break. When we come back, we're going to delve further into what's called the Transition Integrity Project, or TIP. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, author and seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, what's involved in being created in the image of God? Chris, being in the image of God is more than just being a two-legged, two-armed creature. There's some sense in which God uses a human form to express his own nature like the arm of the Lord, but God does not have a physical body. I suspect that the image of God deals with our spiritual nature, our appreciation for beauty and ability to love, and our ability to love and reject God, and of course, our eternal soul. A recent research project identified perhaps another aspect. It was shown that those people who love others and provide emotional support for others live longer themselves. 
These are godly qualities, and maybe that's part of being the image of God. If we live like that, it's beneficial. You see, Chris, even the way we act, it all goes back to Genesis. Thanks, Dr. Morris. For more on creation, visit our website at www.icr.org. The program is called Crosstalk. It comes your way on the VCY American Network. Lori Higgins, our guest today. We're talking about the color revolution. Lori's with the Illinois Family Institute. Uh, just give us a word about your organization, Lori. Well, we're a Christian ministry, and we have both a, a 501c3 uh, arm and a 501c4, so we can that's Illinois Family Action, where it can be politically engaged. And we just talk about cultural issues from a Judeo-Christian viewpoint. So as we talk about this color revolution, uh, this uh, transition integrity project, uh, what the, this is in essence a playbook, is it not? It is. So they came, they established this, which was founded by two leftists. One is Georgetown University professor and liberal activist Rosa Brooks, who's a, a close and longtime associate of George Soros, and Nils Gilman. And they and uh, so Nils Gilman actually recently came out also and said that Michael Anton, who first revealed, sort of made it clear what was going on, that he should, in essence, be executed. He issued a, he uh, put out a tweet about that. But so this, this transition integrity project, uh, using euphemistic language in its title, actually, mm-hmm. they came up and they were coming up with election crisis scenario planning exercises. And they proposed, you know, four different scenarios. They had people pretending to be Trump and some pretending to be Biden, and how would they react in these different scenarios, whether, you know, Trump wins by a landslide, whether Biden wins by a landslide, whether there's a close win. In Well, the irony is in that in their fertile imaginations of the members, all the crises they anticipate happening will be caused by Trump. And and so they've, you know, what they're, they're imagining that we're going to, they're going to have to call in the military to actually eject Trump from the, off from office. And I mean, the, and these are absurd. And, and also they're putting these forward as it's, they've said, this is a dark scenario coming, the election, it's, you know, it, it, everything bad is going to happen mm-hmm. after the election. Mm-hmm. And then they proceed as if their assumptions are true. You know, and that's what's so interesting is I've interviewed uh, Bill Federer here on the program. He, he says, you know, this is what we call projection. And that is they often will project the very things that they are involved in doing themselves. Exactly. I mean, that's what I wrote in my article was I said they engage in rhetorical jujitsu to impute to Trump their own motives, their own revolutionary tactics, their own plans. I mean, if, you know, Trump has proposed many things, but there is not a single case where he has proposed something and it's gone to court and the court decided against him that he didn't immediately obey the court. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no, one, this military site that I mentioned earlier, this article by these two former military figures, that, you know, they were proposing, you know, that he's going to have to be removed, and they were sort of signaling to the military, be prepared to yeah. do this. They said he's threatened not to leave office. He didn't threaten. He was asked by Chris Wallace if he would leave, and he said, I'm just not saying, which, I mean, Byron York talks about what the left has been doing is, he calls it coup porn. And he's talking about the leftists who are saying, we might need to bring the military in, because for Trump to say, I'm just not going to answer that question, Mm -hmm. is not threatening not to leave. We have no evidence that he'll do that. Yeah, look what happened as he was running for president against Hillary Clinton, and she was aghast that that he would not come forth and say, yes, I'll concede the election of XYZ happens, and, 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 and she just fell apart at this. But look who it was that for years afterwards, you know, he's the wrong one who won, he really didn't win, I'm the, the true winner, I got more votes, and she's the one who actually would not concede. The left says that the election was stolen because they have no respect for the Electoral College. Yeah. So they say the and, and Hillary Clinton came out recently and said no matter what happens, Biden should not should not concede. Yeah, and, and that and you this is in this transition integrity project. The very first finding they make is this. The concept, and I quote, the concept of election night is no longer accurate and indeed 
dangerous. And I thought, uh, Laurie, I, I asked myself, is this why Hillary Clinton said to, to Joe Biden should not concede the election under any circumstance? Exactly. And that's when you, you, when you read enough and listen to enough people from all of these disparate sources and you say, wait, why are these people all saying this? You know, why are they saying, why are so many people saying he's not going to leave? Because they're communicating with each other. And so, I mean, this isn't, I mean, there has to be some sort of at least loose organization to do, engage in all these acts that can, that foment revolution. There, the TIP executive summary says it is incumbent upon elected officials, civil society leaders, and the press to challenge authoritarian actions in the courts, in the media, and in the streets through peaceful protest. The peaceful protest, yeah. Nora yeah. O'Donnell just came from CBS News, came on the other day and said, called them mostly peaceful protests that have resulted in one to two billion dollars yep. in damage yep. through looting and arson. <laughs> really? That's what, lo- you hate to think what a violent protest would do. Exactly. And, and what's interesting, and, and we look at this uh, second finding here as well, a determined campaign has opportunity to contest the election into January 2021. We anticipate lawsuits, divergent media narratives, attempts to stop the counting of ballots, and protests drawing people from both sides. I mean, they are really looking, and it goes back to point number one, we don't have an election night. Uh, Do not concede this election. It's got to move forward. We've got to make sure that, quote-unquote, every vote counts, even if we discover these hidden boxes that, that all of a sudden show up. Right. Well, and recently, well, two things I wanted to mention. You mentioned, well, they mentioned having, you know, we lawyers involved. How many, I can't even keep track of how many lawyers has he, or as I call them, shysters, has he hired, has Biden's campaign hired already to be involved in this election night, you know, challenges that they're going to make? And this is why you wonder... The mail-in voting is what is really going to prolong mm-hmm. our, you know, finding out who won the election. So is that why they wanted to push for mail-in voting? Was it about, I mean, maybe it's about yeah. fraud, and that was the other point I was going to bring up. You probably saw the article, and many of your listeners maybe, recently. It was an anonymously written because it was a Democrat who was working for, who's been a long-time uh, employee of Democratic campaigns who admitted engaging in voter fraud yes. for years, and he outlined the ways it's done. And it wasn't just, it was a substantial number of electoral, I mean, of votes that were fraudulent. It was not like 100 votes or something. Although, when we have a really close election, it can be won or lost by thousands of votes. So that's not insignificant. But you wonder if they want to mail in voting because it will prolong. The counting will go in. Yes, it will. We're not going to know on November 3rd, that's for sure. And that gives more time for them to engage in all this the challenges that they're going to do. Lori, we just had a federal judge here in the state of Wisconsin Monday of this week arbitrarily change the legislative laws here in our state as it pertains to elections. Our law in our state indicates that absentee ballots have to be returned uh, for counting by Election Day. And now all of a sudden the judge says, well, no, as long as they're postmarked by Election Day and and for six days thereafter they have to receive these ballots uh, as long as they're postmarked by Election Day. Well, the post office is already admitted not everything is postmarked going out there. And so you're going to have all these ballots that are coming in. People will know what preliminary results are there on, on, on Tuesday and November 3rd, but they will have Wednesday, they will have Thursday, they'll even even have Friday to get these ballots in the mail to arrive at the uh, clerk's office or the city hall, wherever they're going to go, but so that they're there by the Monday, the week after the election, and without a postmark, they, they can claim, hey, th- these ballots were in, every vote must count, even though people perhaps could even have double voted. I mean, this, these tactics for creating chaos, I mean, that's a Democrat's policy. That's their tactic always is to create chaos. This was I mean, an Obama, this was an Obama people, appointed judge. Yes, and multiple people have come out and said the only scenario that there will be a peaceful transition is if Biden wins by a lot. Every other scenario is going to result in violence in the streets, and they're trying to attribute it to Trump. Because they said that he calls on, what was the quote that they used? Because Trump encourages his supporters to take up arms. I don't even know. Where did that come from? No. 
that's that's not what we've seen. That's not what's no. causing the mayhem in in Chaz and and you know other locations here in the states. Uh, and I, Lori, I also see the recommendations of this report rather shocking. Here are the four recommendations: first, plan for a contested election; second, focus on readiness in the states, providing political support for a complete and accurate count; third, address the two biggest threats head-on: lies about voter fraud and escalating violence; and fourth, anticipate a rocky administrative transition. The days and weeks after the election are not looking too pleasant in my sight. Are they to yours? No, I mean it's a, it's a nightmare, and we know that all, this is not going to be created by Trump encouraging supporters to take up arms. No, I mean, it, I mean, when you look at that, when they had that very peaceful, actually peaceful protest in Michigan in the Capitol during the worst of the pandemic, you know, when some conservatives went and it was completely peaceful, and the left was beside themselves with criticizing them, and then say nothing when we see the mayhem we've seen for three months and the continue in Kenosha. I mean, this is such out, outrageous dishonesty on their part. And this, every time this goes on, every word that they say predicting violence should tell people that even if you don't like Trump personally, you can't let the... I, I've said this m- multiple times. This election is not about Trump the person or Biden the person. It's about policies and principles and proxies those people who they'll put in their administrations, the judges they'll appoint. That's what this election is about. And if every time you see what the left has done, the plans for violence, the tolerance of violence, the, you know, misnaming of violence as mostly peaceful protests, should tell people the left cannot get elected. I mean, this is a disaster for freedom and liberty, let alone, you know, we have not even going to be able to talk about the policies that they seek to implement. But, yeah, I mean, it's outrageous. Uh, we know that uh, George Soros has been very, very active in working to have elected uh, radical district attorneys across America. Is there a connection? Oh, gosh. I mean, the district attorneys, look what they're doing, who they charge in these, um, in these local, you know, revolutions going on in their cities, who they charge, who they pursue in crimes, and, and you know, what happened to that young Rittenhouse in your state, and, mm-hmm. and how, what, what they do to the anarchists who, who foment all this. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they know how, you know, there are other big leftist donors who Tim Gill in Colorado is one who go into local elections, pour money into these local elections. I mean, we had a school board election here in Illinois when this was on the different issue was on the sexual integration of girls' private spaces in high school. And we had, you know, leftists, an architect from out way out east, a Hollywood director, that Lana Wachowski from the Matrix things, pouring money into a local school board election. The left knows how to do this. They want to achieve a particular end, and they, they play a long game, and they get involved in these local elections, and no one looks at where is this money coming from. Folks, as you've often heard, follow the money. And as we mentioned this about George Soros, who has been pouring money into having uh, radical district attorneys elected in cities across the, ma- the nation, uh, Tucker Carlson just reported, he said that's not an accident. He said left-wing mega donors like George Soros realize it's easier to install radical DAs than it is to convince the public to let their own cities burn. Soros has worked hard to elect district attorneys who will nullify laws against rioting and violence by failing to enforce them. Entities backed by Soros have spent over $13 million in district attorney races in a total of 17 states. End of quote. Folks, that is troubling. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk. Attacks continue against the Bible. Some accuse the Bible of not being historically accurate. Some insist it's a book written by man filled with error. But did you know that archaeology continues to confirm what's written in Scripture? In the fully illustrated hardcover book, Evidence for the Bible, you are introduced to the world of biblical archaeology. Using full-color pictures and an easily read format, you will see that what has been dug up from the earth confirms the places and events from Scripture. Rulers and kings are documented, battles and their outcomes are confirmed, 
and details of prophetic utterances are precisely what are known to have happened. This book takes you on a fascinating journey during which the traveler never knows what may turn up with the next trial. It's hard to put this book down as one captivating page leads to another. Evidence for the Bible is available for a donation of $30. Call VCY America at 1-800-729-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, the color revolution. Our topic today, Lori Higgins is our guest from the Illinois Family Institute. And again, folks, as uh, Dr. Darren Beatty wrote, uh, defines this as being a specific type of coordinated attack that the United States government has been known to deploy against foreign regimes, particularly in Eastern Europe, deemed to be authoritarian and hostile to American interest, rather than using a direct military, military intervention to affect regime changes in Iraq, color revolutionists attack a foreign regime by contesting its electoral legitimacy, organizing mass protests and acts of civil disobedience, and leveraging media context to ensure favorable coverage to their agenda in the Western press. Wow. Just what we are seeing take place on so many fronts today. Uh, before we get to phone lines here, let me ask you, Lori, how uh, the, we're hearing a lot today, too, about critical race theory. How is that connected to the color revolution? It's critically important, and people need to pay attention to what's going on in their schools. I first, I, before I came to work for Illinois Family Institute, I worked at a high school on the North Shore of Chicago for a decade, and my, all my kids went there. So, uh, and I saw critical race theory because it came into our professional development. That's what hap- what teachers are uh, do on late arrival days, institute days, and it was critical race theory for the last three years I was there, and it's continued because I have friends that work there, and critical race theory is what was necessary to create the anarchists we have in our streets today. I'll just give one anecdote. I I worked full-time in the writing center. I was a member of the English department, and I was working with a a girl on her paper. And this was, I mean, I've been with IFI since 2008, so this is probably 2007 or 6. And I read her paper, and I said, wow, you really have a pretty dim view of America. And she said very cheerfully, it was a, a very nice girl that I knew, and she said, oh, by the end of first semester in American Studies, which is an integrated American history and American lit class, she said, by the end of first semester, I hated America and hated being an American. Wow. And I was like, good job, teachers, I'm sure. But that's what we, we all should know by now what critical race theory teaches, and it's still going on in schools, although President Trump now has called for this to, funding of this to stop in federal, at the federal level. In public schools, it's still going on, and parents should be contacting their schools and finding out what goes on during professional development, what resources, what speakers, what materials, because they're funding it, and those ideas are coming into the classroom. Um, Lori, uh, for those who would like to uh, delve further into this, you've got this post on your website? I do, the one we were talking about, a color revolution? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, on the Illinois Family Action website. And, uh, again, that's uh, IllinoisFamilyAction.org. Illin- uh, yes. Wait. Is <laughs> I better look that up. I, I always forget. I'm usually doing Illinois Family Institute, so for the URL, I'll look that up while okay. we're talking. But go ahead and continue. Yeah, and, folks, I, I'd just like to refer you to a program we did uh, just a week ago with Alex Newman on the topic, the 1619 Project. And as we were in the midst of that interview, that's when Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, was holding his, his uh, conference and, and speaking about the executive order he was just signing, uh, dealing with the 1776 uh, initiative in that regard. And uh, that's a great program to go back and listen to that gets more into this matter of critical race theory. Again, that website? IllinoisFamilyAction.org. Okay. And, uh, folks, you can get more information there. Let me, uh, folks, let's get you on the phone lines here. If you have a question, a brief comment, or number 800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829. Uh, we look at this, what's going on. We have this uh, transition integrity project. We have all of this this planning and so forth that is going on. People wonder, what is it that I can do? I mean, how do I counter this? Well, I think, first of all, people have to vote. 
and they need to vote in person if they are able to vote in person. They need to stop the indoctrination. I, you know, I've, I've, I, I care deeply about education. I came out of that environment, and I also realize we don't pay enough attention to it. And many parents think that what it, that this stuff starts at college. It is not starting at college. It's starting, I'm guessing, in middle school by now, if not elementary school. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely in high schools, and we have to pay attention to it because the kids that are rioting in our streets and burning things down who want to, who want to get rid of all vestiges of our American history, those kids were created in our public schools. So we, you, parents, are, and not just parents, I mean, taxpayers, should, your money, it's a, I consider it as a Christian, I consider it a stewardship issue, yeah, yeah. but the kids in school today are the culture makers of tomorrow. So if we don't care about that, so, and I think you, we need to talk to our lawmakers and we need to tell them in no uncertain terms where we stand on this issue and we need to stop worrying that people are going to call us if we say Black Lives Matter is not a good organization, uh, then stop worrying about whether people are going to call you a hater or a bigot because they are. And I mean, it works because we let it work. The, the co-founder says we are trained Marxists. I mean, shouldn't that alone get right. us, you know, have warning flags flashing? Right, exactly. I mean, it's worse than that, too, because, yes, I mean, yes. it all came out about their whole spiritual dimension to the right. leaders of this organization. So that organization is bad. And you you can care deeply about race relations and still think that's a detestable organization. And they've been making some changes on their site, I understand. Yes, it just came out yesterday. LifeSite News revealed that they scrubbed the their belief statement that said that they seek to disrupt the nuclear family, they oppose patriarchy, that was scrubbed. Don't anyone be deceived into thinking they are not still, that's not one of their yeah. goals. They just realized that was politically very unpopular, especially among Christians who wanted to support the BLM movement because they believe that Black Lives Matter, as does every decent person in the world. But the organization itself has very troubling views on homosexuality, on transgenderism, and they want to disrupt the nuclear family. So they've scrubbed that. Friends, I want to give you also some words of hope, because we've talked about some very, very troubling issues that are going on, and Lori's talking about the things certainly we can do. And I just want to give you two words, ladies and gentlemen, and those are the words, but God. And and to recognize all these things, I mean, we you see the wicked devices of man that is going on, but God. And, and keep in mind, God is sovereign. He is in control. And friends, are you praying? Are you praying for this nation? Are you praying for this election that's forthcoming? Are you praying for the, the direction that we are uh, headed as a nation? And I know, Lori, you would echo this sentiment here that, that prayer is so critical in such a time as this. Absolutely. And, and we, self-government is a blessing. And so we should use, recognize it, be thankful for it, and use it responsibly. So, but absolutely, and I, you know, I couldn't do the work that I did if I were a pessimist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, and I think one thing is Christians also, I, th- I think it's been so easy to be a Christian in America. We have lost sight of the fact that Scripture tells us we are going to be hated because the world first hated Christ, and we're to consider it joy to encounter trials for him, which is an act of uh, command, consider it. We are to consider it joy. So we have to develop a spirit of willingness to be persecuted. We can't say, well, we're not going to speak truth unless we're guaranteed that it's cost-free. That's not the Christian walk. But yes, we should be praying about this and praying for our leaders and then using our uh, what we can responsibly. Indeed, informing others. Folks, send a link to this program. It'll be posted within a couple hours on our site. Uh, send links to those you, that are part of your list, your social media list. Let them listen in to the information that's been discussed here on the program. Uh, lines are packed. Let's go to Samuel calling in from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Good afternoon, folks. Thank you for taking my call. I noticed with the troubles recently, they were using our lexicon and using the phraseology systemic racism. That was new to me. I, I will only concur the thing, one thing that is systemic is sin. Yeah. But as for systemic racism, this seemed like the use of the lexicon that people were parroting without thought. Yeah, yeah. Good point, uh, Samuel. And uh, Lori, I know that, that uh, people have a guilty mark on them just for the, being born with a certain skin color. Well, that is, that's part of critical race theory. The, uh, the terminology, systemic racism or institutional racism, and in that body of thinking, you, 
if you are part of the dominant power group, because what they do is they divide society into oppressors and oppressed, but based on only certain criteria, which is race, gender, sexuality, and um, sexual orientation. Those are the only sort of dividing factors, the intersectional divisions. And, and if you are part of the op- supposedly oppressed group, it doesn't matter what you say, even if you express hideously ugly racist views, you can never be deemed racist. That's explicit. They say that. If you are part of the oppressor group, so if you are white, heterosexual, male, uh, then you are automatically an oppressor no matter what you do or say. So if you are white, you are an oppressor, you are racist, you are part of that system. And this is, I mean, this is why we have to, if you want to dismantle something, like they want to dismantle all of our institutions, what we need to do is dismantle critical race theory. But what's interesting in public schools is when they present all these ideas from resources that affirm critical race theory, they do not present a single resource that challenges the assumptions and dissents from it. So, you, so we've now changed, tr- public schools have been transformed into indoctrination centers. When you have a, an institution that's supposed to be about, you know, educating where you engage in dissenting ideas and you debate them, and they say, no, we're going to censor all competing resources, it's no longer education. Let's go to Troy next. Hi, Troy, you're on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is for the, the speaker there. Um, I grew up in a public school and um, here in Cleveland, Wisconsin, and Sheboygan, Wisconsin, right to the point is, um, I believe I was in a, a project, HR 3537, basically where I was given daily grades to my need, to me because I was left behind, and the teachers would go and uh, take the time to work with more aggressive students, and then instead of helping me, they would, and other students in my class as well, we were uh, shunned down, and we weren't given the real truth of history. Now, um, is this still going on in today's society, and as well as with the uh, character, Characteristics of the public school system. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And uh, Lori, it's in your state that what is the Chicago Public Schools said, "Hey, we got to stop teaching history. We're teaching it wrong here." Well, there's a couple of interesting things about Chicago. I think what you're talking about was a state rep, LaShawn Ford, has called for the canceling. He's proposed something in Springfield, the cancellation of all history classes until all materials can be reviewed, well, I'm going to paraphrase here, by leftists to make sure that they're sufficiently woke. That's what it is. And they've also implemented the 1619 Project in Chicago Public Schools. As to your caller's question, I'm not familiar with that particular project, but I can tell you that the teaching of history in many, many public schools, and this includes public schools in conservative areas because the teachers graduating from schools and departments of education are being taught by liberals. So when you have new teachers coming into schools, they are bringing with them what they were taught in college in schools of education. So the teaching of history for years has been very imbalanced. They pre- Listen, I am not about whitewashing American history. Everybody needs to know the truth of history. But what critical race theory, or sometimes it's called teaching for social justice, or the historian Howard Zinn's book, those what they do is they overemphasize the flaws in American history and they deemphasize or ignore the marvelous things that America has done. I mean, in terms of racial and ethnic integration, there is not a country in the world that can hold a candle to America. Lori Higgins, our guest, a quick break, and we'll be back with more of your calls here on Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. And by the way, if you'd like to read her article on this very topic, you'll find it at IllinoisFamilyAction.org. Back in a minute. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is WorldviewReport.com. This past weekend, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who sat on the U.S. Supreme Court since the 90s, being appointed by President Bill Clinton, passed away. The Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. So 
we should not be celebrating her death. However, well, Fox News once again reveals that they are not a conservative network. One commentator after another, including Republicans, praised her for her service and her commitment to America. Yet, as we warned about her and her worldview when she was appointed by President Bill Clinton, she was a radical, a radical liberal who actually worked with a communist front group. Roger Baldwin, a known communist, formed the ACLU. And in 1977, as an attorney for the ACLU, she argued for lowering the sex age limit to age 12. This is one of many things I could say about her. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. We're going right back to the phone line. Zoe is next. Champaign, Illinois. You're on the air, Zoe. Hello, Zoe. One more time, Zoe. Okay, let's go to Mark in Monroe. Mark, you're on the air. Yeah, um, my question is this. Uh, in regard to impeachment, uh, from a general consensus standpoint, do you think Nancy Pelosi would be perceived uh, as over-the-top when she says she could impeach Donald Trump every day if she wanted to. Uh, personally, I think uh, her power trip would actually uh, end up being to, to her own detriment. Mm. For me? Yeah, go ahead, Lori. Uh, I, well, I think she'll be perceived by over the top by people in the center and people on the right. I think the people on the far left don't care. They don't have any ethics. They wouldn't care. But I do agree with you. I think it would redound yeah. to her detriment. And uh, we we have seen that even from the last impeachment hearing. And, and you know what's thank you, Mark. What's what's interesting? Even as they're saying, well, why didn't President Trump do something on coronavirus? Look what the Congress was involved in doing at that time. I mean, they were engaged in these false impeachment hearings going on. Right. Robert in Glendale, Wisconsin, you're on the air. Thank you very much, uh, Lori. Yes. Let me ask you a question. I I don't know what your law background is, but it seems to me that uh, Serios. And his two other partners, and I'm going to name them, Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci, they're all three partners in a uh, pharmaceutical company, are creating anarchy in our nation. I thought at one point in time in my life, I'm going to be 68, that there were laws against anarchies against our nation. Uh, And those are stated not only in our Constitution, but also in federal law. And why haven't, why haven't these individuals been apprehended for these actions? Thank you, Robert. Okay, well, I will start by saying my law background is non-existent, so mm-hmm. I can't address that aspect of it. I, and I can't really uh, talk about the motives of Gates or Fauci, because I, I, I don't actually think that their goal is anarchy. Soros, I think his goal is anarchy. Mm-hmm. And so, but regarding the legal aspect of that, I couldn't address that. And uh, it's interesting, though, that uh, that they have a playbook that is unfolding here that is diametrically in opposition to our United States Constitution. Right. St. Cloud, Minnesota. Ron, you're on the air. Yeah, I had a question. Um, It's been kind of interesting that um, before the election, the Russians were never considered our, you know, grave enemies. But since Donald Trump was elected and he, you know, put forth the idea of working with the Russians, all of a sudden the Russians have become our number one electoral enemy. What do you think uh, will happen this cycle? Well, I've heard recently people bringing up Russia again. Just actually today I read something. He, I don't know what President Trump said, but it was something nice about Putin or something like that. And they said, ah, see, I mean, that, Trump talks like that. He's talked like that about North Korea. He's talked about that about China. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, what he says is irrelevant. It's what he does. And, but they will use anything to manufacture a conspiracy theory against Donald Trump. Yeah. And uh, thank you for the call. Uh, Andy in Princeton, you're on the air. Yes. Um, I was wondering, um, Donald Trump, when he was inaugurated, took up uh, oath that he would protect us against foreign and domestic terrorists. Um, can he call the military on these domestic terrorists, even though they are in Congress, or does Congress have to do this? Uh, th- th- thank you, Andy, for that. It will, uh, and, Lori, what's interesting is that Nancy Pelosi, in essence, called Donald Trump a domestic terrorist. Oh, gosh, yes. 
And what's also interesting is the left has been trying to foment, and they've been exploiting division within the military and encouraging, as I, I think I spoke to you off when we weren't on, on the air, that there's two mil, ex-military guys who've written an article and said, really saying, you know what, the military needs to be prepared to move in, if necessary, with force to eject him from the office oh. when Trump refuses to leave after he loses the election, which, of course, is manufactured in their fertile imagination. But they've been trying to foment division within the coercive forces available to the president, which is exactly one of the steps, one of the features of this kind of revolution, the color revolutions. Thank you. Let's uh, try Zoe again in Hi, Illinois. Tim. You're on the air. Thank you. Um, Lori, I just wanted to alert you that I think this is filtering down this BLM stuff down into the grade schools because they posted a sign on a grade school in, in Unit 4 in my town, uh, Champaign, um, uh, uh, promoting BLM, and now the school board has sanctioned doing this in our grade schools. And I also want to thank Lori for her brilliant writing. You write like no one else, Lori. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you very much, Zoe. And you're in a hotbed of liberalism if you're in Champaign. So, but it's not the only elementary school. In fact, I was just reading an article from Massachusetts today that the, some parents were successful in getting this stuff out of schools. And, and one of the problems is people have to know that it's going on. And secondly, they have to be willing, they have to understand the issue so they can go in and discuss it. And you need to, parents need to get a number of people to go in with them because what school administrations like to do is if if one set of parents come in, they like to hear their complaint, make them feel heard, essentially pass them on the head and send them on, pat them on the head and send them on their way. But they can't ignore when 40, 50, 60, or 100 parents come in and say, We're, this is unacceptable, we're not yeah, having this. Yeah. Thank you, Zoe. And uh, Springfield, Missouri, Mike, you're on the air. Hey, Jim, Lori, thanks for taking my call. Listen, um, I hope people don't uh, realize that this stuff has been in the works for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I can, if I may, let me give you a short but, quote uh, by uh, uh, tell you, Mike. Mike, we, Mike, we got, Mike, was, uh, Mike, listen to me, Mike. We got thirty seconds for you and sixty seconds before the end of the program. So go ahead. By funding black hate groups, and we'll put them in a mental trap and make them blame white people. And the black community is the easiest to manipulate. And my question is, goes along with that guy who called a few, uh, a few phone calls uh, back, that uh, why hasn't anything, any action or uh, taken against these people mm-hmm. that have, uh, have uh, done this anarchy? Okay, and tell you what, Lori, we'll have a quick response and then we'll get a run. Yes, this has been going on for decades, ever since hippies from the 60s took over our academic institutions. And the reason nothing is done is because parents aren't paying attention to it, and they don't have the courage to go move forward and address it. Well, thank you for the call. We have run out of time. Lori Higgins, our guest today from the Illinois Family Institute, and you can read uh, her article at IllinoisFamilyAction.org. And uh, Lori, I'm sure you agree that this is no time to be disengaged but uh, certainly much, very much involved by prayer and also by action. Engaged and courageous. Yep. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. And stay on the line here for just a moment, if you would. Uh, Lori Higgins, our guest here today. Again, folks, it's called The Color Revolution. Read the article. She's got links that will take you to this uh, transition integrity project. And as you read it, it'll certainly make you aware of what is planned for the nation. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk.